I, I feel like because I am a black woman, whenever I see other women that embody characteristics that I feel like I have myself or like even things that I want to attain to be, like I crush so hard. and welcome to another episode of the Just Another Crush podcast, a podcast where we talk about our crushes. I am so pumped for today's guest. I get to talk to her. We try to talk weekly and it's truly the highlight of my week. And I just, honestly, I don't know why she puts up with me. I go on a lot of passionate <laughs> rants <laughs> about things no. that are happening in our organization. <laughs> Um, and you know, honestly, most of the time I'm just grateful that someone's there to listen. Um, she's so incredible, so talented, so smart, and honestly, uh, just so excited to see what she does with her life. But uh, you know what? That's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about careers, but welcome to the pod, AJ. Thank you. Oh my God. I'm like blushing because the same description that you used to describe me is like 100% how I feel about you as well. Like, especially in COVID times, working from home, just seeing another familiar, like comfortable face has been everything. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to extend our weekly check-ins to like an official crush cast. Uh, I mean, I feel like I was talking to you about the crush cast, like back in the days of the office. <laughs> like, I feel like yeah. I did one off one time and you were like, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and then like, a year later, I guess, I was like, oh, she's got to come on. Like, I know I told her about it. Yeah. No, it's a real thing. Um, super excited to be here as always. And yeah, just excited to extend our conversations really and, and make it formal. Yeah, I'm <laughs> or I guess less formal. Yeah. Less formal. Wait, they're already like pretty informal. <laughs> but anyway, um, do you want to get started and just tell the people how we know each other? Yeah. So my name's AJ. Imani and I both work at Google, which is how um, we know each other. Um, wait, pause. Is it okay that I say we worked at Google? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I say it all the time. <laughs> People, okay. I say it, like there's multiple episodes where I'm like, I, the Google offices and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. I say it all the time. But if you're not comfortable saying that, like you can, we can drop it out. Okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. These views are mine and not of my employer. <laughs> I feel like everyone <laughs> adds that little caveat. I can put that in there. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, but yeah, I feel like the first time we met was probably like, I remember my first day at work, which was September 2019. Um, and I walked in and just immediately saw a black woman who was in my row. And I was like, oh yeah, this is lit. I got to introduce myself. And I, I feel like I actively went up and like introduced myself to you. I don't know. I could remember the story wrong. Well, I think, um, I think that's right. Because I also remember part of it is um, your mentor sat next to me. And so it was kind yeah. of like, I remember, I, I don't think you had braids at the time. Um, but I remember you came in like bun slicked up and I was like, okay, yes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, literally. I remember like, and I mean, you know, we, we could talk about this, but black women are few and far between in the corporate space at Google, in tech, whatever sort of caveat you want to use. So when I saw a little brown speck, I was like, oh yeah, this, uh, let me go introduce myself. <laughs> Hello, I, comrade. I, I love that. I mean, truly and honestly, like our team has, I, this, I have no evidence to support this, but I would be willing to bet that our, like, org or like it like 100 person team has more black women than any other team at google and i wouldn't be surprised if i was right just on the sheer basis of i have no evidence of this just by the number of like brown faces that we have on the floor yeah <laughs> yeah because it's not that yeah. many <laughs> yeah yeah i agree and black women especially we definitely have a bit of a coalition mm -hmm. on our team which i love um, I'm here for it. I also, um, this is not, I don't think that I've told you this before, but, um, 
I like, you know, corporate America, there's a lot of white people everywhere, which like is fine. You get used to it. But like, obviously my name's Imani and you, you're one of the few people in my corporate life, like in my world outside of my family that actually Mm -hmm. says my name the way it's supposed to be pronounced because I tell everybody, oh, my name's Imani because I work in corporate America. So it's all full of white people. I'm like, oh, it's Imani. So I'm like, you said Imani, and I was like, "Oh my god, my sister calls me that." Because <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, "Oh, love it." Yes, you got to put some respect on the name, on the enunciation. It matters. I got to go update my uh, pronunciations on our little profile pages. Um, yeah, I know you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, AJ, I'm I'm so excited to have you here. Are you ready to talk about uh, some crushes? Yes, let's do it. All right, I'm pumped. So we're talking about one crush today, multiple crushes. What are you feeling? A crush for every question? Yeah, I'm thinking multiple. Um, When I think about crushes, and these are friend crushes also, right? Just like crushes in general or romantic. I think crushes can span like truly any kind of relationship. And um, if I'm honest, it's part of what I'm exploring as I like record and talk to people. Um, But yeah, so open to any and all types of interpretation. Yeah, I think I'm talking about multiple. Love it. I love that. I'm so excited. Well, the first question that we have today is uh, how has your upbringing shaped who you've had crushes on? Yeah, that is a very good question. Well, the first crush that I can think of, and this kind of reminds me of the intro that I just gave of how I met you, but really I crush on other black women all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, uh, not to give anything away, but when I was reading through the preview of your questions, I know one of them was like, name a celebrity crush. And I immediately thought of Elaine Welteroth. Oh, like, my. I crush on her so hard. In my head, we would be best friends. Um, and then I started thinking about other celebrity crushes like Rihanna, Beyonce, and lo and behold, they all have a common theme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like because I am a Black woman, whenever I see other women that embody characteristics that I feel like I have myself or like even things that I want to attain to be like I crush so hard like Mm -hmm. I I don't want to say obsessed because that sounds like a little crazy but I definitely crush hard on on black women and I think that has a lot to do with my upbringing also just thinking about the strong women who have been in my life Um, so I have really strong relationships with my mom and my aunt and even my grandmother um, who interestingly is not a black woman. She is a white mo- woman, but raised to black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like in, I think like all three of their stories have really shaped my idea of crushes, um, not in a non-romantic way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think like there, there is something so, uh, I just don't, I, I want to say like inherent, there's something so inherent about the respect and the honor and the pride that you exhibit, you specifically, not like the general you, but you as AJ exhibit as a black woman. And it makes so much sense to me that like your upbringing has also resulted in like, you know what? I love to champion these other black women that I see on this podium. Like that, just knowing you, I'm like, Hell yeah. Like I aspire to do that. That is who I want to be too. Aw, thank you. Um, That's really kind. I do think, yeah, it just comes from, I I really do think like my mom and my aunt specifically, they kind of hold this badge of honor, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think being a black woman is something to be extremely proud of. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could talk about trials and tribulations and all the negative aspects, but I also think there's a really strong sense of innate community amongst black women. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I love and what I love to lean into. And when I see other like celebrities who do it or even just black women in the office who are like open to having that sense of community and like uplifting, encouraging relationship amongst each other. Like that's what I feel like I gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. Was that, was that, um, is that something that you've, 
felt the need to either develop or seek out. And I ask mostly because I've always felt kind of like an odd duck in my in my world, like too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids. So yeah. connecting with other specifically black women has been had to be intentional on my part and had to be something that I seek out to find that community. Um, how does how has that been for you? Is that your similar experience? Is it, you know, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, that is a really good question. So when you mentioned that, the first thing that I think of, um, and just like to provide some context, I was an English major in college. My favorite class was reading Toni Morrison uh, by a professor, Angeline Mitchell. Um, loved it <laughs> all semester. We read like 13 Toni Morrison books. It was amazing. Um, and there's this one named Sula. And I remember very specifically, like there's this chapter and specifically this line, and it's essentially describing uh, without getting too much in depth in the book, Sula has a relationship with her best friend and one of them cheats, but mm. with the other's husband. Mm. Um, and so like the book is about their friendship and how like in spite of like the infidelity and mistrust, like the relationship that the black woman had ended up being more important than the relationship with the romantic partner that there was infidelity and um yeah, that there was infidelity with. And there was this line that talked about how like black women create this sense of community based off of everything that they're told they're not, right? So we know we're not men, right. we're not white. Um, and like men and white, we can use those two as examples. Like there are all of these associations that come with that, right? Like male power, white power, patriarchy, and so like through this sense of negation, figuring out what you're not because the world constantly tells you so, I feel like you have to build this idea of who you are. Mm. And when you have that common experience with people, I think it just creates like, like I said, this innate sense of community, right? Like we're constantly told we're other, constantly put into a box. Um, and I don't know if this is getting too deep. But when I think about my relationship and like my instinct to really build community with black women, I think that's what it comes from. And this is not assuming anyone's experience, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do think it comes naturally to me. And I do just think I have this like, I don't know, just like this energetic pull towards like when I see someone who looks like me. It's like invigorating and even exciting and empowering, really. I feel like that's the word. Um, just because like, I mean, using Google as an example, or even when I was in college, there were not very many people who looked like me um, in those spaces. When I think about everything that I had to go through to be there, like it makes me curious about those other women's experiences also. Mm. So yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like throughout college, really throughout school and in my career, like I'm just naturally drawn towards other women who look like me. I, first of all, there's no such thing as too deep. Yeah, I was like, like am I going too hard? Like you're talking about Sula, I'm bringing it back to college days. No, like, yeah. No such thing <laughs> as too deep. And I think it's I, like, it's, when I hear you talk about like how much you gravitate towards empowered black women, like, it just makes me so excited to continue to find other black women to connect with, especially in corporate America, like in tech, like across the board, because so much of us go through so much, for lack of a better word, shit, yeah. um, get to where we are. And we should be like, I had a mentor tell me once, um, once as you rise up, you have to be an elevator and go bring other people up. And like, that to me has never been more clear um, yeah. than it has been made clear in the past like year or so. Yeah, I think so too. Like, just like you said, you have to lift as you climb. Mm -hmm. um, and again, not assuming anyone's experience, but I think we can say that a lot of black women, especially in our position, have had to work twice as hard to get half as much. Girl, it's right. hard, hard to get a quarter of the way. Girl, let, me yeah. let me tell you something. In tech, in tech, it's a different set of circumstances. It is yes. twice as hard to get a quarter of the recognition. 
Yeah, ain't that the truth? What's the statistic? I know a few years ago it was like black women make 67 cents on every white man's dollar. So we work in twice as hard to get 67 cents. Correct. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, it's still the same. I read this book um, called Diversity Inc. It came out yeah. in 2019. Really, really, really recommend it um, because it breaks down statistically like and mathematically what has happened to representation uh they don't they don't just focus on the black community but the majority is focused on like what's happened with black people specifically black women since 1968 and when i tell you that black women are at the same spot that they were from a percentage of representation standpoint as we were in 1968 would you be surprised yeah not at all not at all um yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. And so, yeah, just bringing it back to the question, when I see other women, I wonder what their twice as hard work has looked like. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's just that innate, like, curiosity to be like, damn, you're a boss. Like, excuse my language, but like, you have to be a boss ass bitch to be in your position. And I'm trying to learn from you. I think that's like, put it plain and simply where that kind of instinct comes from. I love to that. crush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, no, I think that's great. And I, I love that, you know, there's, there have, when I have talked to other people about the crush cast, like there's so much enthusiasm and there's a lot of episodes. You can go back and listen to them. Um, for those of you listening to this episode where the conversation is about how consuming the crush is from a romantic standpoint. And yeah. one of the things about crushes is um, that my therapist has told me, I've said this I, I, by the time this comes out nine times now, um, your crushes tell you more about yourself than they tell you about the other person. But I think the caveat is when it comes to romantic relationships, that is the case. And you spend so much time obsessing over what someone else has that you don't have from a romantic standpoint that we forget that part of this same emotion, this I'm so interested in you, I'm fascinated by you, can also exist in non-romantic relationships. And it's that feeling that allows you to build that community, build that network, build advocacy, championship other people, uplift other people. And that has a lot more power than just saying, do you think Timmy likes me? Yeah. Let me tell you, girl, Timmy don't like you. Keep it pushing. <laughs> Let me tell you, just keep it pushing. Go focus on the coin, girl. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Look, I could tell you, ain't nobody worried about Timmy. I'm worried about Elaine. I'm worried about Oprah. No, I'm just, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm kind of worried about Gail after that uh, girl got on her at that interview after she stole that little boy's phone. <laughs> I know. That was, that was hard to watch. Honestly, the disrespect and the privilege, but... Gail handled it like a queen. Um, she is. Because she is. Yeah. Who have you had a crush on that sticks out the most? Um, okay, so I guess I'll shift over to a romantic version. But uh, I remember my very first crush was this kid in elementary school named Robbie Reiki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, what a name. Um, I must have been in like third or fourth grade and I was a Pop Warner cheerleader um, and he was on the football team and I just had the biggest crush on him. He was also in my class um, and he had blonde hair and blue eyes. Oh, of course, Robbie did. Yeah, of course, Robbie did. <laughs> of course <laughs> and this was a time when I actually like wasn't surrounded by very many people who looked like me. Like I went to an elementary school, one of two black kids in the class, this other kid named Tiger, which is also a very interesting name. Um, but he was like the only other black kid in my class. And I just was not feeling him, but I was feeling Robbie. <laughs> uh, I think that crush sticks out to me the most just because it was the very first crush that I had and come to find out Robbie was not feeling me back that was very disheartening at the time and I don't know if you feel this way but I mean being older you have perspective as a kid instances that happen in your life like you only have experienced life up until that point so everything is a big deal yeah 
And I remember him not liking me. I was so upset and sad and whatever. Looking back, I think it's a funny story or like first crush to think about, but I think that one definitely stands out the most. Did you, did you tell Robbie that you liked him or was it like just passed through the grapevine that you liked him and he found out or whatever? Yeah. So I remember telling my friends that I liked him and they were trying to hype me up like, oh yeah, you should tell Robbie. And I was just so nervous because I had an idea that he would not like me. (laughs) (laughs) And so my friends ended up telling him and he was like, oh, AJ's cool, but no, thank you. Yeah, that's kind of how it ended up happening. I did not have the courage to confront Robbie firsthand. Um, But yeah, he's like a a blip in time. (laughs) Have you ever thought about like why Robbie? You said your school was not, it was predominantly white, right? So not a lot of people around. So of all of the white people, why Robbie? What was it about him? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that term, That's, first of all. <laughs> yeah, I know, same. Why people? Why people? <laughs> um, why Robbie? Honestly, I just thought he was like a cute kid. If I'm being honest, the diversity wasn't really around. I didn't have much to choose from. And from what I remember, he was a well-liked person in the class. Too. Like I wasn't the only person who liked Robbie. I don't know if it was the blonde hair or the blue eyes. Looking back now, it seems just like a very like plain Jane Western standard of beauty. I probably <laughs> liked Robbie because I thought he was who I was supposed to like, you know? Yeah. And everyone else that age had crushes on him too. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll like Robbie. But thinking back, like, there was nothing particularly great about this guy. Like, he wasn't particularly nice to me. Like, I I guess we, like, brushed shoulders a few times standing in line for recess. But, yeah, I don't know. There wasn't really anything special about Robbie. I, I guess to answer your question, I feel like he just seemed like someone that I should like then because um, everyone else did. If that is not a perfect example of mediocre white men just getting things because I don't know what is, right? Yeah. I was talking to my sister and her episode came out a couple weeks ago by the time this episode comes out. And she was like, Disney Channel really had me believing that like guys like Sterling Knight and whatever his name on Hannah Montana were the cutest of all cutie pants. But like, I look at them today, I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah. I think this is like a similar thing. It's kind of like, oh, I like this person because I, thought I was supposed to yeah yeah no I think it's a really great example and I think it's also a good example of how your environment can influence your behavior right like that was a time in my life where I went to a predominantly white school and when I moved to Miami um I didn't go to a predominantly white school like it was all black and Latin kids Mm -hmm. And so my crushes changed like dramatically and yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like this idea of nature versus nurture, right? Like I was in an environment where Robbie was the well-liked guy. So I just followed the pack. Um, But I feel like when you have a wider variety to, to choose from, I don't know, it becomes more of like a natural thing, you know? I don't know if that makes sense. It's like less about your environment influencing you, but if you have choices, it's like, yeah, I can kind of get choosy. I can be picky. <laughs> I mean, I I feel you a hundred percent. Like I, I grew up in Indiana. There's not a lot of black people in Indiana. Um, there, there are, but like in the circles that I w- was in, there aren't, there weren't really that many. And so all of my schools were mostly white, uh, went to Notre Dame, which is mostly white. Um, and I'd like to apologize, not officially on the behalf of the university, but Amy, not it, uh, Minnesota, mostly white. And then I moved to New York and I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> you couldn't tell me, you couldn't tell me until I moved to New York that like, I was actively interested in black men, like, which is a wild statement to say, because growing up, I was like, oh yeah, like 
I don't really care what anybody looks like, but I tend to be interested in white guys. And then I moved to New York and I was like, what? I don't literally care. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Girl, because when you moved to New York, you realize you got options, okay? Options, options. And I was like, I was joking with one of our one of our coworkers, and I was like, it's only spicy whites from here on out. You can't be uh, plain Jane. Mm -hmm. Like, only spicy whites. 100%. No more of that plain Jane. And I also think your standards change, right? You're like, okay, like it goes less from like physical attraction to more of like, Oh, what does this person do? Mm-hmm. What are their hobbies? Like, what are their values? Right. Like kind of like the difference between a McDonald's and a cheesecake factory menu. Like when you realize you got <laughs> options, you got <laughs> options. And But I think that's a perfect analogy. Cause then you'd be sitting at the table waiting for a much longer time trying to decide mm-hmm. what you want. I, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on this. This is something that I know we've talked about before. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And I think it goes, it kind of like ties the two questions together. Um, as, a, as a black woman, statistically, the more money we make, the, or the more successful we are, the less likely we are to find sustainable partnerships with people. Yeah. Um, I have a couple theories as to why that is the case. I think some of it comes down to just like straight up like sexual racism, I think. But the majority of it actually rests within understanding your power and not accepting less than you deserve, which comes to this like notion of choice. Mm-hmm. When you talk to your friends, your boyfriend, um, just like people in your life about black women and black women and love and relationships and success, what are some of the themes that stick out to you the most? What, what are some things that either keep you up at night or make you really energized? Give me, give me a perspective on that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a loaded question. I feel like I can answer this in so many ways. Um, (laughs) Take your time. No, it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a really, really great question though. Um, I think I'll talk specifically about my boyfriend and I. Um, So we're both black and when we, well, we both went to Georgetown he had never seriously dated anyone until me. But before then, like casually dating, um, like women of all races and obviously being in a relationship is very different than like a casual relationship. But something that we talk about often because we're both in the corporate space is just like how we best support one another. Um, And that's romantically, that's like, in our careers in life, emotionally, really just across the board. Um, And I think being open to hearing both of our experiences has been key and something that we've had to work on. Um, I'll talk particularly about mine, but I mean, we talk so much about how both of our experiences at Georgetown were different, Mm -hmm. right? Like, my boyfriend is 6'2", athletic build, black man. And from a romantic standpoint, like he had women of all types fawning over him in college. I'm sure. Right? I'm- yeah. I mean, we went to Georgetown. He was very popular, like way more popular than I was. I, I would say I definitely had my crew. But from a romantic standpoint, just like even getting invited to parties, right, was like one thing for him. Mm-hmm. I was more with like the black crew. Um, if I'm being honest, like I was on Howard's campus, mm-hmm. GW, just kind of all around. But from a romantic standpoint, I really didn't have that much like explicit interest from white men. And I felt very much like my options were limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, one story that comes to mind is there was this house at Georgetown called Brown House. Um, and it was like this big house that I think senior white guys lived in every year. I think they may have belonged to like some sort of club on campus, but they were well known for preying on freshman girls. <laughs> this is, this is kind of horrible. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they were well known for like inviting freshman girls to go to parties and freshman people used to always like be thirsty to go to brown house parties because they had free liquor, like a good time, whatever. 
Calvin had been going to Brown House from his freshman year because he was well-liked and popular amongst that group. I stepped him into Brown House once by senior year just to cross it off the college checklist, but mm. I'd never been invited, mm. right? And so when you think about like an average person's Georgetown experience, something that we talk about is like going to Brown House and having that like freshman drunk experience and mine was just totally different, right? Like it's different to walk through the world as a black woman on a, an all white campus from a romantic and even a friend standpoint, mm -hmm. um, because that same sort of open invitation or like average experience is just like not average for me. Yeah. Um, and so when you talk about like supporting black women and what keeps me up at night, like we've had multiple conversations about how our college experiences differ, about how our, our experience in the corporate workplace differs. Um, and I think really that patience and empathy and understanding like, yes, we are both black people navigating this white world, but also as a black woman, like our experiences are two that are aligned in some ways, but also very different. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like having very open conversations around that has just like helped us grow. Um, I think romantically, but even just as friends, which I feel like is a, a part of a, having a romantic relationship too. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? That was very long winded. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, I think you answered a question that in, in a way that I didn't anticipate because, which is great. And I, I love it because you know me, I, I consider myself a chronic single person. And you talked about like what the experience of being black in a white space is like, how that's impacted your direct relationship. And like, even in the same campus, both being black people, you had radically different experiences. And that has impacts on your relationship how you guys are talking about what it means to work at his workplace versus your workplace. It informs not every aspect of your relationship, but a good chunk of it. And I think it's, um, it's really heartwarming to hear that like central to that relationship is just straight up respect. Because I think a lot of times as, as black women, people tend to dismiss what you say your experience is because they <laughs> because they just don't want to acknowledge that like your experience is not at the threshold of their experience and that's not to say that their experience was good or bad or whatever but like if i'll, I'll just i'll use your example if your yeah. current boyfriend was going to a lot of parties that you never even got the invite to that's not to say your experience was good or bad or his experience was better or worse than yours. It's just to say like, that's a totally different experience. And then the yeah. is, how does that impact you? Like, did it hurt your feelings that you were never invited? Do you, did you feel othered now at the beginning of your relationship with your boyfriend? Like it opens up a world of possibilities when you have that respect and can open up that conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think like even getting vulnerable here, um, it's happened before where we'll hang out with his old friends from Georgetown, right? And they'll recount these experiences. And even particularly, someone recently mentioned Brown House and was like, oh yeah, we used to go there, have a good time. And I like quietly raised my hand and was like, oh, I've been there once. And their follow-up question was like, well, did you even go to Georgetown? And so <laughs> that, <laughs> it's funny that you described and you articulated that in such an eloquent way, because anecdotally that has happened to me before, right? If that's not invalidating a black woman's experience, I don't know what it is, right? And it was very subtle, like obviously not intentional, but there was a follow-up conversation that was had that was like, hey, because I am a black woman, I did not have that experience. But that doesn't mean that I didn't have a Georgetown experience because I very much went to that school for four years, got my diploma, exactly. you know, lived in those dorms, mm -hmm. went to class with those same people. Um, and I think you're right. Like there needs to be this acknowledgement more so and even just like encouragement, I feel like, of black women to share their experiences openly and and for people to be receptive of that right because it's it there are those subtle instances where it's like 
well, did you go to the same Georgetown or where were you all four years? Like I was in class. I was right next to you. What you yeah. mean? <laughs> clearly, we clearly you weren't project together. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. What you mean? I live two houses down from Brown House, but I, I wasn't there for other reasons. Ask me why. Let's have a, a conversation around why, right. you know? Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting that you mentioned that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a lot. Of, I think it's I wouldn't be surprised to hear that it's a common experience for black women specifically who navigate white institutions on a regular basis. This experience of otherness. Um, I was reading. Uh, I was reading a book recently that was written by I think I think she's a current Googler um, and it's. Uh, I'm going to forget the title. Hold on. Okay. So yes. the book that I just finished reading, actually not recently, but uh, like last year was The Memo by Minda Hartz. And one of the things that she talks about in The Memo is how like you get excluded from conversations in white America because you didn't go to Joe Schmo's pub on Friday night after your coworkers. You didn't watch the Bills game, right? Yeah. And because so many stakeholders in corporate America are white men, you get left out of conversations that you are not interested in or you don't even care about having. So how do you go about charting a path forward when, you know, Billy Bob over here was talking about his country Western concert and crock pots and lake houses. And you're like that, <laughs> that is not at all my experience of being in this, like you live in the apartment downstairs and that's not my experience at all. You know, um, right. I thought it was such a really interesting, it's such an interesting topic as black women in the world that like our experience and the people that we work with on a regular basis are going to be, radically different and i don't know if you think of this as a burden but i tend to think of it as a burden it feels like my responsibility to be the one to say hey i'm black but i'm a person just like you and to like yeah create that mentality yeah no you bring up a really interesting point and i personally feel like it's a burden but also a superpower mm -hmm. and I personally struggle when I want to turn that superpower on or when I want to preserve myself and not burden my own effort, you know, like, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, my uncle, when I first graduated from Georgetown, he graduated from Georgetown as well. Um, I remember him telling me like, oh, you should learn golf. Like a lot of mm -hmm. business conversations happen on the golf course. It would be a great skill for you to know he knows I'm not interested in sports. Like I don't know any of that, but even strategically, you know, I, I feel like oftentimes we have to make these efforts to step outside of ourselves um, or things that we may not be naturally interested in and make that effort to build skills that are going to help us in that, in that way. Um, and you're absolutely right. It is a burden. Like, do I want to spend my Saturday watching Real Housewives of Atlanta or do I want to spend it on the golf course <laughs> practicing something that I don't even really want to do, but I know will be good for my career and may potentially help me with networking? Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think on the opposite end, I do feel like people are having more conversations around inclusion mm -hmm. and equity. Um, inclusion specifically though. And so when we have these opportunities to speak up about our different experiences and have them be well-received, I won't even say well-received, but just received in general from a team, I feel like that's an opportunity to really flex that superpower, right? Like everyone in the room might say like, oh, I've had this experience and just recite the same thing. But if you have an opportunity to really command the room and talk about a different experience that you've had and you feel empowered to do so, like that is a superpower. And I feel like that's an ability to be an asset. Um, so yeah, I, I totally hear you. It's a burden and a superpower at the same time. Look, all I'll say is because it is a burden and a superpower, um, having to be a master generalist in not just in work, but in like knowledge areas means yeah. that I'm going to deserve everything that I get 
Because if I had to put time in to understand football and I don't give a damn about it, then I deserve whatever output comes from me learning football. Because let me ask you, do you know how to wrap hair? Do you know how to put hair up in a bonnet? Do you know how to Right. No, you don't deserve it from me then. I don't know what to tell you. Right. Um, You bring up a really good point. Like something that I talk about with my friends often is how as Black people, for centuries, we've been forced to assimilate to white culture, right? Like we have had to go out of our way to learn like the cultural nuances and certain things that you should do and can't do that are appropriate for white people, but do white people do the same for us? And the answer is no, just in case anyone's curious at home, (laughs) if they're listening. (laughs) Um, And it's out of convenience, right? Like it's like, I mean, you could pull anyone and I would argue that anyone who does not come from a marginalized background has rarely had to step outside of themselves and ask like, what would, what would it feel like to be someone else in this position? Right? Like, I, I feel like that certain level of empathy just isn't really exercise. And to me, empathy is like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, you lose it. Right. And you walk around the world blind and ignorant, thinking that the world revolves around you. But in reality, you just have a bunch of people around you who are willing to like be empathetic and understanding towards what you feel. And you're not like reciprocating the same. I also think like not just be empathetic, but also making themselves smaller. Yeah. Accommodate you. Right. And before we transition to the next question that when you said like black people have always had to assimilate, it reminded me of this TikTok of this girl that was like, I've got something to say, like, tell me I'm wrong. Black people denounce everything about slavery except for Christianity. And I was like, damn, that hurt my feelings a lot. But like, something I don't know. I don't know. Damn, let me get on TikTok. Let me <laughs> let me learn something. I know. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to follow. I'll have to find it and send it to you. Um, yeah. L- let's see. What's next on the questions? Okay. Is there what is the most important thing that you've learned from one of your crushes? Oh, that is a good question. Well, I think I actually learned this from you when you were talking about your podcast and like really when it was just an idea. And you mentioned that having a crush on someone, you learn more about yourself or like it tells you more about yourself than really about them. Mm-hmm. And I had this really reflective moment where I thought about all of these crushes that I've had in life, particularly going back to the black women right? Like Elaine Welteroth or really any powerful black woman that I've crushed on. I think they've told me about myself that I probably have more in common with them than I think. Mm. And I think oftentimes the values or characteristics that I like about them if it's not full grown within me, there's at least a seedling, Mm. right? Like I can think of an instance where like one of them did a talk or like made an amazing career move. And then I think back to myself and I'm like, well, damn, I did a career pivot too. Or like, you know, I, I remember when I gave this speech or whatever, and I felt confident in the same way that this person is exhibiting that behavior right now and making me crush on them. So yeah, I think, Really, it was what you put in my mind to think about how your crushes speak to who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and just kind of thinking about that. I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) (laughs) It's it did answer the question. I think like one of the things that I find so interesting in talking to people about like crushes in general is that oftentimes when we forget the crush or the crush moves on or whatever we don't then reflect on why we liked that person unless there was like a relationship involved either it was a friendship romantic relationship or whatever we don't tend to do that reflection moment and 
when I hear you talk about like your period of reflection and like what came out of that, it was the word that popped into my mind instantly was like self-assurance, like mm. confidence and self-assurance. And if that is not one of the most, po if not the most positive thing that I've heard in response to that question, I couldn't tell you what it was. I don't think anyone's actually said like, oh, when I thought about who I was crushing on, it were th they were things that I already had. I have I was yeah. the owner of my life and my journey, and that is important to me. I, no one has said that so far, and I just I love that answer, and I love the power in it. Um, so yes, it did answer the question, and I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Great, oh, thank you. Yeah, I think um, to me when I think of having a crush, like. I don't know. I just think about everything that's positive about it, right? Like having a crush is fun. It's exciting. It, for some reason, the word adventurous comes to mind too, because I feel like you can have a crush and kind of fantasize about what you want, mm -hmm. um, whether that's in a romantic crush or a friend crush, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it, there's so much opportunity in having a crush and it's like, exciting that you can be imaginative and really think about like why you like that person or what you like about them. I 100% yeah. agree with you. I, one of my friends, um, I, I consider her one of those dear friends. Like we don't talk often, but when we do, it is like very rewarding. Um, yeah. I don't get to see her because we used to do dance classes together in the city and stuff. And recently we were chatting with a group of friends and I had I like kind of admitted to this group of friends that I had the biggest crush on her. I just wanted to be her friend. I was obsessed with her. And I like messaged her on Facebook and we reread the messages in front of our like group of friends over the Zoom call. And I was, I was so embarrassed, but there was something so empowering about like having the crush, having the boldness to say like, and this is someone I want to be friends with. And then go, yeah. like it, adventurous is a great descriptor of crushes. Like crushes can be crushing, like if you, <laughs> but they can also be like really, really energizing and really productive. Yeah. Yeah. I could not agree more. I huh. love that. Speaking about taking action on crushes, what is the most embarrassing, funniest, or weirdest thing you've done <laughs> to get a crush to notice you? We'll put this in the romantic realm of crushes. Okay. Okay. So, this is funny because I read this question before we hopped on and I told this story to my boyfriend. He thought it was entertaining. So I'm gonna, <laughs> just going to repeat this one. But okay. um, when I was in college, I had a group of about five girlfriends and we all lived in a house my senior year and super fun. We used to do everything together and we went, we were coming back from a Trader Joe's grocery run and our Uber driver was fine. Like, girl. Okay. Like, yeah, no, he was so fine. Um, and my friends were making fun of me because there were maybe like three of us and I obviously elbowed my way to the front seat. Like I was feeling bold. <laughs> and I'm like flirting with him the whole way back to the house. And um, we get out and my friends just start making fun of me and are like, oh my God, you're being so thirsty. Like you're being so obvious. Just talking to him, asking him about his life. And I was like, yeah, he's cute. I'm trying to make my move. <laughs> uh, so I decided it would be a good idea to pretend like I lost something in the Uber. And so <laughs> I literally reported that I lost like my phone in the Uber or something just so I could talk to him and when I called I was just like hey you know I'm, I'm so sorry to bother you I actually didn't lose anything I just thought you were really cute <laughs> I was wondering if I could get your number <laughs> ah, and it worked it worked um it's funny because I can remember in college so many times me just being super bold like that like I was always the friend to push my friends into like making their move um I feel like with a crush and even instances like that where you meet someone for like 15 minutes, you never know who that could end up being. So you might as well shoot your shot. Um, so yeah, the Uber driver was great. We followed each other on Instagram. Nothing really came of it. 
Um, I realized he was a lot older. He looked like he was 21, but he was like 35 and I was graduating from school. So it just like was not a thing, but it makes for a good story. I think that's honestly, that is a really great story. I love okay. that you were like, I'm just going to shoot my shot. Like who cares? What the yeah. I love that. Oh, I live. Um, we have one more. I have, well, not we, it's just me interviewing you, but um, I have yeah. one more question for you before we go into the speed round. Are you ready? Yes. All right. If there's one thing about crushes you're trying to learn or unlearn, what is it? And um, I'll ask that this be in the romantic category as well. So crushes or dating relationships. Um, if there's one thing about crushes. Okay. So I heard someone say this once, but I can't remember who it was. Um, but they were talking about love and how people generally categorize love as like this fiery, romantic, passionate thing that you have with someone. But their idea of love and really like long-term partnership is not like the red, fiery, passionate thing that we automatically think of, but rather it's like blue, it's cool, it's calm, it's comfortable. Um, and so when I think about one thing about love or crushes that I'm trying to change is like, instead of going for the person that makes me feel fiery or passionate or romantic, actually that's not true because my boyfriend makes me feel all of those things but I think really changing my perception of love mm -hmm. into thinking about like how comforting and encouraging it can be aside from just naturally going towards those red fiery emotions mm -hmm. does that make sense so thinking more about like the cool blue calm and peace you feel in a relationship versus like the dramatic red fiery things that come think, with all of those like natural emotions. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense because first of all, flames go out, right? Like yeah. what happens when the flame goes out? I think a lot of people tend to really, really, really have a difficult time detangling love and lust. And yes. that like, that's something I'm in the process of detangling for myself. It's like, love does not have to be like, exclusively passionate and fiery and like, can't keep your hands off of each other and all this kind of stuff. It, it should contain that your relationship should not be just like, blah. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be blah, if that's not what you want it to be. If like, like if you're arrow ace, and that's like your comfort zone, please like find that passion with the person that you connect with in a way that's comfortable for you. Um, but like it's security, like love is security. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if a lot of people fully, fully understand that yet. Yeah. I also think about long-term partnership. Mm -hmm. Like I'm of the mindset that, during my lifetime, I will probably fall in and out of love with multiple people, right? I put that in the red fiery category. Um, but when I think about a lifelong partner, I think that there's a certain level of peace that you feel with someone in that partnership, right? Like I, this is just kind of my belief on marriage, but I firmly believe that whoever I decide to spend the rest of my life with I don't just have to be in love with them, but they also have to like have similar values, think yeah. about their family the same, right? Like it's a partnership. That's what marriage is to me. And so I think about putting marriage in like the blue category, right? Like I've had flings, relationships, whatever, that fall into that red, passionate, dramatic, like, you know, category, but rarely do you meet someone who you feel at peace with. And I feel like that's something that I strive for in my life, whether it's career, family, whatever. And it's also something that I like think is super valuable in a relationship also, just peace, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I've honestly take me to the church of AJ. I'm ready. To <laughs> like I'm so here for it. Like 
I'm I'm remembering just a what I call in my head a situationship. It was for all intents and purposes we were dating last year, and like it was so red and like passionate and fiery and dramatic, and it stressed me the fuck out. It was yeah. all I could think Girl. about. I, it was all consuming. It was all I could talk about. We talked about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, at that time. And like, my God, like that breakup hurt so much. And it needed to hurt because I needed to get out of my head that this thing that was like hot, 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 like drama, passion, like in the red court category to use um, the same language that you did, like, wasn't good for me it was terrible yeah horrible and then i went and turned around and found a second like red relationship (laughs) right after that that. so like you know rebounded into something that wasn't great but like you know to your point peace is so so critical in sustainable relationships and like having been officially single and kind of off the market for well, not dating anybody, period, for a while now, like about a, yeah. over a month now. Um, I, I have been coming to terms with the fact that, like, I don't want to live or be looking for a relationship that's a constant source of anxiety. Mm-hmm. No matter how good the physical is, no matter how great the attention feels, no matter how much I like when they like touch the back of my neck or whatever, I don't give a fuck about that. If there's not a place where if I'm constantly in anxiety, it's not a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. I just, I automatically go back to peace. Right. And I've had the flings too, like situationships, relationships that are dramatic and they're ups and they're downs and they're so drastic. Like you think it's the end of the world and it's so energy consuming. Mm-hmm. But what I really think is the key to a sustainable partner is like not someone who's going to suck your energy and put you on that roller coaster, right? Someone who you can rely on to help you build your energy up. Yeah. And who can rely on you to do the thing? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, are you ready to talk a little bit about our, well, not to talk a little bit. Are you ready to pop into the speed round? Yes. Let's do it. How long do I have to answer every question? (laughs) (laughs) There's no timer. There's no timer. Um, some speed rounds have gone longer than others. Some people are like, boom, boom, boom. And other people are like, Hmm. Hmm. And then I end up like cutting a good chunk out of it. In post. <laughs> I like keep some pauses in, but like sometimes we stay here for a minute. So, <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. So yeah. no rush, no rush, no rush. Lots of flexibility here. All right. First question. Who is your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush right now, Rihanna or Elaine Welterra, just because Black women are my celebrity crushes. Oh, I'll throw Zoe Kravitz in the mix. Oh my God. I love um, yeah, they're just like cool. Yeah. To put it plain and simply. If you haven't read Elaine's book, More Than, a Lo- More Than Enough, please do it. It is so good. Oh yeah. Girl, I have. I need to gift it to more people, but mm. that it, it's a gem. Such a gem. Um, what's your biggest turnoff? Biggest turnoff are people who lie. Mm. And I think in romantic relationships and in friend relationships. Um, yeah, I think the truth is hard. My grandmother used to always say the truth is confrontational, and I feel like it is. Mm. But I, I feel like if you're trying to build real lasting relationships, like you have to rely on the truth. All you can do is be the best person you know how and speak and stand in your truth. And I feel like when people aren't ready to give that same level of authenticity, like it's a, it's a dub, <laughs> it's not going to work. Again, sign me up for the church of AJ. I'm ready. to. Go. <laughs> not the church. Oh my God. The truth is confrontational. I am going <laughs> to, I might get that tattooed on me. <laughs> <laughs> what is your dream date or your perfect meet cute? Yeah. So, uh, sunrise I love watching the sunrise I'm an early riser particularly on a beach 
we could do like breakfast in the morning, a little nice coffee. Like I'm definitely a morning person. That's like my dream date. I love that. Um, what is one song that makes you feel excited or hopeful about love? Okay. So there are two that I think of. The first one is this like old school song that my mom used to play. It's called Love Calls and it's by the singer Kem. Um, old like R&B music. Love that. Yes. Love Kem. Uh, my mom yes. took me to a Kem concert. It was my first concert. It was like Kim and Chrisette Michelle, but Chrisette Michelle didn't show up. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Anyway, but uh, the other song. Um, and the other one, this is kind of sad, but I also think it's encouraging, but Ordinary People by John Legend, right? Like you can put it in the sad category, but I also think it's very truth telling and very, I don't know. It just always puts me in my feels. When I tell you I was listening to that song on repeat last week, like, no on, way. like during my walk, just over and over again. I just, I think I'm going to learn that on piano because it's gorgeous. Oh, please do. Oh my God. Okay. Whew. I'm just, <laughs> I love that song. Um, what is one song on your breakup or love recovery playlist? So Gone by Monica. Another old one, but yeah, she... She goes hard. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's about her, like, basically trying to figure out why she's so gone over this man who treats her wrong. And she, like, goes in. I, mean, I always vibe. I love songs like that. When I tell you, like, the past couple months have been me rediscovering how much I love old R&B. Yeah. It really has been. I don't know what triggered it, but I was like, I need my Mary J. Blige. I need my Common. I need my John Legend. Like, I need my Alicia Keys and nothing before 2000. Like that's what I'm talking about. Yes. This is might sound a little dramatic, but it's also kind of funny. I don't know if you listened to the Keisha Cole and Ashanti verses that happened like two days ago. No. What is this? Um, yeah. So verses is like this thing that started in quarantine, but it's just like two generally like hip hop or R&B artists going live on Instagram and they play their hits and to see who wins. And typically after that happens, like there were like a million people on this versus last Thursday, um, like their Spotify streams go up. And I was like laying in bed next to my boyfriend, but just with my headphones in, just like playing all their stuff on Spotify right after just in, in, in my fields. Oh my god, I live for this. I will have to. I'll have to follow up with you on that. Okay, okay. How <laughs> I can tune in. Um, what is the nicest thing someone has ever done for you? I think my current boyfriend is so thoughtful. His name's Calvin, um, and he just does little things. Like we were apart for some time during quarantine, and I had a really shitty day, and he just sent me an edible arrangement. Just so nice, just cause. Um, but I love the just cause stuff. Um, yeah, it's a good reminder. Like people are are thoughtful and listening, and so I think that's probably he does a series of really kind things, but just like small stuff. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. When do you think you will know you found the one? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Part of me is like, do I move this up to the main questions or should I yeah. live in the speed round? But, you know, who knows what it is. I think going back to the red and the blue analogy, I feel like I'll know that I found the one when I find someone who's a mixture of those both, but mainly blue. Like I know long-term in life, I want all of those cool feelings. Like I want to feel peace. I want to feel fulfilled and I want to feel energetic. And if I can find someone who matches me in that and that we can pour into in that same way and fulfill each other, I feel like that's when I know I'll have found the one. Just like the long-term sustainable partner. It's got to be blue. I love that. That's beautiful. Well, that's that brings us to the end. 
AJ, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I love this. I like I said when we first started, I feel like this is an extension of our weekly calls. Mm -hmm. So we love to see it in an official <laughs> format. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for having me. I thought this was great. So before we say goodbye, is there anything you'd like to promote? Um, not specifically. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Alexia J. Curry. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening this far. I hope it was exciting. And yeah, if you want to talk about love or crushes, <laughs> I'm around. <laughs> DM me. <laughs> I'm plugging the Church of AJ when it comes to love and relationships. Everyone, uh, please attend the Church of AJ. At the Church of AJ. It's a new handle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd follow instantly. Um, well, AJ, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. And I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. <laughs> talk to you on Wednesday, girl. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Just Another Crush podcast with Amani Nicole Parker. You can find the podcast on Spotify or at justanothercrushpodcast.squarespace.com. In the next episode, I interview another former crush of mine, this time a crush from college. I was really nervous to record, and I think it turned out to be a pretty interesting conversation. So I hope you guys are excited, and I will see you in two weeks. Bye. It's just another crush.